This is the Milo Sweet Podcast, where you'll learn to get unstuck. Start now. Conquer life's challenges by learning to do difficult. Find quick and clever ways to overcome. Wait, did you think life was going to be easy? Remember, all of your excuses are now dead to me. Let's get started. Guess what time it is? It's time for you to hit the subscribe button and find one, just one person that you think will benefit from this. But if you're feeling a little like generous, right? Or you're super um, free with your time right now, probably doing nothing because you're listening to this. Um, Well, maybe if you're doing something, actually just make yourself free right now. Hit subscribe. What are you waiting for? Hit it. Come on. Hit subscribe. Yeah, definitely is. I think that rejection is, I think we have to change the story we behind how we see things. Something that was super powerful for me was for me to think a little bit when, as you were talking with thinking, what tools as a parent could I have given, could I have been given as a child or what tools can I give my child that would help them to see shame differently because I dealt with this um, much, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in my marriage when I like preliminary stages and I feel like it's an it's a evolving conversation. So I think it should always be open for conversation. But I dealt with that a lot because you were right to be to, to be intimate, to have conversation. There is conflict. Um, the hardest part when you're beginning your marriage or just in marriage in general is that you actually don't have the tools to label things. Yeah. So you actually might be be feeling shame and not know that it's shame and you don't even know how to identify resentment because those are tools that really parents should give kids to say hey it looks like you feel like your sister is manipulating you that's what that is or is that manipulation or you feel like your sister didn't tell you let you say what you think or she did it in a sly way it's like giving kids tools to labels to label how they feel how someone is responding because as adults without those tools you actually will just think everything's fine yeah Yeah, you're right (laughs) You won't even know that. So tell me uh, about TED Talk. What was that like? And let's explore this lighthouse analogy. Okay, yeah. Uh, The TED Talk itself, to be honest with you, delivering that, I had rehearsed that talk um, probably, and I honestly had settled on that. It was a nightmare to give it. I'll just say it that way. It was a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, you're going to give, you're probably only going to do one of these in your whole lifetime. And... You want it to be really good. And so I had written four completely different speeches. I had an idea that they liked, that they wanted me to give. And I'm I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this isn't what I want to be known for. And I'm not even that. I'm not even sure I can stretch it into eight minutes and talk about (laughs) it. Like, you know, like, like, you know, that way, you know, in a talk. And I'm not even sure I want to be known for that. Um, So I ultimately, I kind of thought to my, and I, we did some, you know, three versions of a talk or three versions of different talks and then settled on the one I ended up giving. And it really occurred about a week, maybe 10 days before I actually gave the talk. And I thought to myself, what are the patterns that I see and in my office? And what are, 
Hey, that's basically what the talk was. It's, you know, what makes love last and what I talk about in there, you know, a little bit of my own story. My wife is the hero of the talk. It's not me. And, mm. you know, I didn't, she, it's true. If I'm going to talk about marriage, I'm not going to be the hero. I'm not going to be up on a Ted talk. Like, Hey, look at me. I'm awesome. It's like, no, my wife is awesome. She's amazing. And I'm very, very, very fortunate to have her. And cause I, honestly, there wouldn't be anything I'm doing today if it wasn't for her. And it's not just because of, you know, the early days of my practice, it's the support that she helps me with because she does a lot of stuff. I just don't have the ability to do. I'm not, mm-hmm. who she is, but go Morgan. Yeah, Sorry. I yeah, have to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. And she's, yeah. She's great. She's fantastic. And our, po- you know, what's funny is our podcast audience probably likes her, uh, every bit as much as they like me. And yeah, you know, they may listen to like, hear what I have to say, but she's with me she'll kind of moderate it and guide discussions but she's she's fantastic and people love her just as much as they love me uh which is a great ass you know great great asset um mm-hmm. but the lighthouse analogy so what so basically the idea in the ted talk was what makes love last and i talk about the couples who have a love that lasts they have a lot of problems they have the kind of problems that we all have you know, they have sometimes difficulties with in-laws. They have children that, you know, maybe struggle in school. They have children when they're young that keep them awake at night. They have uh, miscarriages. They have uh, job loss. They travel for work. Sometimes they have good things happen to them. You know, they get a job promotion. They, uh, you know, they can have good things that happen to them. But what happens is, is that they experience these transitions or changes and what and i didn't get into all this in the ted talk but what can happen is is when we go through these transitions and changes it causes us to need our spouse in a new way we haven't needed them Mm -hmm. and it causes them to you know need us in a new way that they haven't needed us before and it requires us to give something we haven't given before and but the couples that have a love that lasts over time, it's not that they were problem free and lived on a beach somewhere. It was they op- it's because they operated as a lighthouse and as a harbor for each other. And they and as a lighthouse, there's this understanding that at the bottom of the ocean out in the sea lurks monsters. And there's, you know, waves and there's fog and there are hurricanes and there's pirates. And so they know, you know what? I need to be a lighthouse for my spouse, my partner. I need to shine my light bright for them and let them know I'm here for you. You can, when you're ready to come in, I'm going to have dry clothes, warm blankets, hot cocoa for you. And you can tell me about your latest adventure. And when people feel like they can go to their spouse and their spouse is going to be available to them, sensitive and supportive, that cre- that strengthens our bond with our spouse and our partner. But when people feel like their spouse is going to disapprove of them or be critical or rejecting of them, they're going to stay out at sea because the lighthouse then becomes more dangerous than going into the uh, lighthouse. The sea, the storm at the sea may actually be better. I mean, I'll take my odds with that than going to the lighthouse. Right. So I know how the lighthouse is going to go. And, but that lighthouse also serves another function. It serves a function as a harbor where, where I'm going to help my mate with their 
goals in life. I'm going to help my mate explore. I'm going to help my mate grow as a person. And so that's where we kind of are a cheerleader. We're being emotionally supportive by being a cheerleader and an encourager. And we only begin to interfere when they're indicating that they need help. And we don't really, we let them be independent. We let them be autonomous and we don't really interfere or give too much advice or, you know, tell them what they're doing wrong and things like that. But we're, we're a cheerleader. We're an encourager and we communicate acceptance that way. And if we can do that over a lifetime of transitions and challenges where we're sensitive and we're listening and we're supportive and we're available, we're going to create the benefit of the doubt. Because when we do that, they're going to feel that we really value them and that they can get their needs met with us. I can always go to my lighthouse and they're going to be there for me. I can always return and they're going to have a warm blanket and hot cocoa for me. And, and then of course, in my talk, I talk about uh, probably one of the worst depressions in my life, um, starting my private practice and just how my wife helped me with that. And what I didn't hear either that helped me. I didn't hear the criticism and I didn't hear the complaining and I didn't hear, you know, all these things. But with couples, if we, so if we can be a lighthouse that they can come to and that we're, and we're shining our light for them and we're caring for them in a harbor that they can launch from and feel encouraged by and supported by, then we're going to have a love that lasts and the benefit of the doubt that really, because you mentioned contempt earlier and contempt really is an absence of benefit of the doubt. What I'll see in my office, like basically when people come into my office, what happens is they will have, you know, if you, you know, you get around people and they're divorced and you hear them talk about their ex, they're like, my ex is so blah, blah, blah. They're such an evil human being. And they're, you know, they'll use all these names. Mm -hmm. When that's how people think about their spouse when they go to marriage counseling, like that's they're you know, they're more open about it. And maybe they've had a little bit more bad experiences with them since they've been divorced because of child custody and things like that. But just tone that back, maybe 50%, you know, maybe not even that much, but they're, that's how they think about their spouse when they're going into marriage counseling. And my job is to help people wow. not even to change that around and to turn that around. And that's a, an incredible task. That's a hard task. And obviously marriage counseling helps people, it works, but people are starting in a difficult spot. And they're starting at those places where my spouse is a narcissist. I give and give and give, and they don't give anything. I'm not going to give until I start seeing something. You're dealing with massive wounds, massive trauma. You're dealing with people sometimes dealing with sim symptoms of PTSD, which is pretty normal with infidelity. You know, and you're dealing right. with people who maybe who've only given and one partner's all only taken. And now the other partner's saying, I'm not going to give anymore. And I want you to give. So you're expecting somebody who has the skills of a caveman turn around in two weeks time and you know all of a sudden become like a Casanova and this super emotional intelligent person and it's you know things happen people grow but they really have negative thoughts about each other when they start and but when we're a lighthouse and we're a harbor we have that been for the doubt and we we can you know look at our spouse and see them for who they really are, not some negative person that, you know, has wounded us and hurt us and, you know, selfish, that kind of thing. 
That's a beautiful analogy. I really like that. That really actually, it almost brought a tear to my eye just hearing you <laughs> talk about it like that. Cause that is a situation I find me and my husband are always in. One of us is growing and adapting and the other one is helping then you switch. And it's a constant, if you want to grow as a couple, it's a constant scenario of change. And there are ways you have to adapt to meet those new needs. So you have to, you know, it's trial and error to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you know, but I find that we have a lot of trial and error over here and reflection. And then you're like, okay, wait, I think we got it. So. All right. That's another episode in the books. Hello? Hello? I said, I said it's over. Why are you still listening? Like, seriously, the episode is over. If you're still listening right now, you know what? You're probably a chronic procrastinator. Guess what? I'm still listening to Come on, for real, seriously. We gotta go do something productive. No, like for real. No, for real, for real. Okay, you can keep listening. <laughs>